Good evening, friends. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Pretty uh, excellent, uh, Mr. Rogers. Uh, this week is looking forward to my vacation. So th- mm. it's uh, th- this week, this Monday is, can this be over and can tomorrow be over so that Wednesday can be here? One of those things. You going to make a quick trip over to Riza? Yes, quick, quick for uh, shore leave there. You're gonna, you're gonna, for some reason, take the shuttle at impulse speed, even though the Enterprise could buzz over there in like thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, the, never, never quite understood. I always actually liked in Star Trek when when they take shuttle places, like Jordy's going to a conference or something. It's like, man, he got to check out a whole shuttle just for himself, and then he just takes off, yeah. like light speed by himself somewhere. <laughs> you're like. Man, what a, that's a weird thing that like, hey, do you, I mean, I have to fill out to go to conferences at my work. I get it. But right. It's pretty, pretty impressive that he gets to jaunt around the galaxy or whoever does on their, their little excursions. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and you're right. And then they, for some reason, they're never at warp. They're always just sauntering along. Like, do they, do they, is, do they take breaks? Is that what it is? The engine needs to like cool off or something? And Back when, um, when I was doing, Star Trek role-playing in college. Mm-hmm. Um, Voyager was still on, on TV. And uh, my friends, who I played it with, we used um, IRC. It's kind of funny. It was similar to how we use Discord now, except there were no phones, so people would sign on and off. Right? They'd pop in to the channel, and they'd be part of the conversation for a while, and then they'd go to bed and sign off. Yeah. Um but at one point, one of the guys was watching uh, Voyager, and he goes, you know, considering how far they have to travel, shouldn't Voyager be at warp more often? Like, and all then, the time. All the time, the, the, like, throughout the episode, they're at Impulse, and he would check in to IRC every once in a while, like, yep, still at Impulse. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, you should... Because you can tell, there's the lines, right? There's always yeah, the lines. Yeah, the 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 um, uh, what do you call it? the establishing shots between commercial breaks will show the ship, like whether it's moving at warp, whether it's at impulse. Like it's pretty obvious if you've watched the show yeah. more than a couple times. Nineties era Trek, but uh, or, or even when they're like in meeting rooms and stuff like that, that they would be. I I get, and then we're getting on Trek as we do. I get the the. Um, uh, we need to stop and maybe find maybe shortcut people will know about shortcuts or something. Right. Um, but still, I would I would assume that they would always be flying at warp. And, and if they didn't, there'd be a faction of people on the ship who would be pissy. Like right. start, and after a while, they're going to start talking about mutinying the captain because she won't. She keeps dropping them out of warp all the time. To yeah, I mean, some kind of anomaly seems to be their whole goal is getting home because I think it's supposed to take like. 76 years, I think, something so, like that. Like a couple lifetimes, yeah. Not a couple lifetimes. In their lifetime, ago. at least. Yeah, one whole human lifetime. Right. So, yeah, that's always, that's always a, you know, something that kind of, I, you know, and I knew it had to be a show, so I you get over that. But right. um, it was still the, I, why do they have to stop? And I also never understood three-dimensional space and how they're always going through people's territory. I always wondered, how do they know that it's people's territory? 
right? Mm. They're just they're just going forward in a quadrant that no one has ever been, and none of their computers know anything about. They might have like uh, Neelix's computer stuff, sure. but how far has he gone? Like, has he? There, they travel seven years. Was Neelix traveling seven years in a straight line, and he knows this whole area? How's you know? How's that work? Yeah, um, I don't know. So yeah, it, that, that show was. It was for the premise. That's all it was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, how was how was your your week been? Actually, you're the, you're the, you've been on the the constant travel. You made it through the the great gigantic continental divide, and uh, the yeah. Speak, speaking of uh, traveling slower than um, than intended than expected, um, I messed up my reservations a little bit. I don't know if I talked about this last week. Um, I originally intended to split the difference between um, Rapid City, which is the west side of South Dakota, and the Washington-Idaho border, which is where I am now. I intended to split that over two days, which would have been like two seven-ish hour days. Both kind of long days, not if you you just drive, like when my parents come out here to, to visit my brother and his family... They'll do it in like two or three days where they're like from Indiana, right? So it's like they're like 10 hour days or more. Just drive straight through the whole way. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. When I am towing the camper, I don't like to go more than like six or seven hours um, at most. And I prefer to be within like three to four, maybe five hours. Um, But anyway, I booked a stay an overnight stay um just past bozeman montana which is like it's the middle of the three big cities in in bozeman in montana Um, all i know of montana is helena because helena yeah that's the school because of the school well there's also because school makes me learn the capitals of, of all the states oh right it's yeah it's the capital but there are three cities that are bees there's billings bozeman and butte um and i think that's the order they go if you're going from east to west but bozeman is in the middle um and um i made that reservation last night which was sunday night instead of the night before which was saturday night um because that was my plan when i have a normal weekend i'll do the driving over saturday and sunday stopping halfway so that I don't have to miss work. Um, but I made that reservation on Saturday, on Sunday night. And it was too late to change it because they were already booked Saturday night. And I oh. thought about f- finding another place or whatever, but the it was a brewery and it seemed like an interesting stop. And I'm like, well, at this point, I'll just um, take Monday off. Last minute, sort of. But my job is flexible that way. And make it a three-day um, um, drive instead of two. Yeah, that's that's good. Good idea. And so um, the, I don't know, downside, not really downside because of what I did instead. Instead of going straight across, which would have been uh, Interstate I-90 almost the whole way up until the last hour where I got off of I-90 and went north into northern idaho and then cross the border right 
before the campground into Washington. Um, I went south, not south, but kind of straight from South Dakota. And I guess it's a little bit south um, because it was I-90 for a while and then cut south into Wyoming. Um, I stayed the night Saturday in Cody, Wyoming, which is one of the quote-unquote cities in Wyoming that has a population of like 11,000. I like either um, quote unquote city. It, it's definitely the the gateway to the Rockies. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's Wyoming, so it's it's a pretty empty state. I think it's probably. I mean, maybe Alaska is higher, but I think Wyoming is one of the lowest states for population per square mile. Um, and oh, yeah, unfor- right, for sure. unfortunately, it rained like almost all day Saturday and a mm. good part of Sunday. Which was annoying trying to drive. I ninety was very. I wasn't really hydroplaning. I don't know that you really do that towing a camper, but I was very nervous driving in the rain. I kept if I hit any amount of standing water, I'd lose a, a little bit of control, um, which was stressful. But anyway, I stayed in Wyoming in Cody, and then yesterday I went straight west from Cody into Yellowstone National Park. Um, I've been to Yellowstone before, but that was before, that was almost 10 years ago. Mm. Um, before I started doing the camper, camper stuff and getting stamps from the the parks in my, in my book. Um, do they have just like one stamp for this Yellowstone stamp? I can't remember like, my kids had like a badge I remember they got from there, but I thought there was like multiple badges for that park. There are multiple. Yeah. Most... I think most of the sites that I've been to are not what we think of as national parks. They're more like historic places or battlefields or whatever. And they just have one stamp. Um, At Yellowstone, I got two. One was for Old Faithful and another was for something thumb, East Thumb or Fork. I don't know. It was a spot I actually spent more time at because it was on the way before Old Faithful. And I saw Old Faithful last time I was there. And because of the timing, I didn't stick around to see it again because I didn't want to get to the brewery where I was camping super late. Um, I would have had to wait like 40 minutes for the next eruption. And um, it's real crowded, right? That's the big thing everybody goes there to see. Um, But I did walk around this other spot where there are a lot of, um, what do they call them? They're those little craters with the hot, uh, hot spring water in them mm-hmm. like right on the on the coast of the of the big lake like crystal lake or something yeah I, um, I think about, yeah. and you can see like the water is really blue because it mm-hmm. turns different colors depending on how hot it is at one point i talked to a couple of the people who were standing there looking at it and i was like i i kept thinking of anime right because in japan yeah. they have that kind of um like volcanic um, uh, geology under most of their their landmass, right? The archipelago of of Japan, and so yeah. they have hot springs. They have onsen. They're hot springs all over the place where people just go and use these public baths. And I don't think they're like these were, where it's the literal hot spring right there. Like they pipe the water in and probably mix it with with fresh water to not be quite as uh, like sulfuric, not like cut down on the minerals in it, and and mm-hmm. also 
for it not to be so hot because I was looking at this water, this pool down there, and it's all fenced off you, right? You can't get close yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and I was, I was like, I wonder if that would make a nice hot tub. <laughs> and um, the, I think it was a husband and wife. She was like, well, um, maybe. She said it's, it's um, pretty hot. And there's one, she said there was one in another place where you could see bones down in the bottom where like a baby uh, bison, like buffalo calf fell in mm-hmm. and like boiled in this hot spring water. And I was like, holy crap. Um, I said, do you know how hot it is? And she said they heard the guide, one of the park rangers, say that it's like over 200 degrees. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I was like, okay, so not a hot, <laughs> no. hot tub. Yeah, I, 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 I have pictures of those when, when you go walking. I know around, um, I mean, they have areas that you can go in that are just specifically for those kind of springs. There's this one I remember, area, like a, it's called the Mud Pots, and they've got all this stuff. Uh, right. But around, just around Old Faithful, on the walk, boardwalk kind of trail thing, they've got those, what you're talking about, those holes in the ground that are, they're just, I get pictures of them because they're just beautiful. I know what you're talking about, like crystal clear with some blue colors on the sides mm-hmm, and, you know, mm-hmm. yellows. Like this is just, uh, it looks like, well, the whole place looks like an alien landscape. It really does. Like this is, you see on a different planet. And we, we did go through some of the ranger talks with all that stuff. And they, when you, as you were telling me this, I was like, oh yeah, I know those things are, are insane. Um, and I had that, ex- it's funny, I had that exact same thought that you had. It's like, man, I, they're just so beautiful that it makes you want to get in them, right? It makes you like, want to just get in it because it's so pristine and beautiful. Um, like there, there are several reasons that I would not want to see the mineral springs of Yellowstone turned into public baths. Of course, of course, right. right. For, for one, the, the preservation, the conservation of nature, right, yeah. that is, that is, kind of depending on your perspective sort of the whole point of national parks um and also i i dislike the idea of a public bath in america in the u.s <laughs> because of how gross our people are compared to right. japanese who are very fastidious and and, and fussily clean right. um but yeah just looking at it i was like that's just a that looks like a natural hot tub down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the the I remember the ranger was part, one of the, the, the spiels that go on is um, not going, but the two the two of the interesting facts. One is the understanding that it was not a national park until was it Roosevelt? Is that right? Who, who made who made it all? Uh, Teddy uh, Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, and the before then, you know, people just came to these areas and would throw stuff in them. Right. Um, and so they, for a lot of these, these big things, they had to clean them out, uh, which mm. was a, a big stuff. And like, and even back in the you know, 1920s or whatever it was when they're doing it, they would still just throw. And it says some people use them for trash. You know, they would, they would throw their, their refuse in these big, big, uh, hot it springs. Reminds like, me so of sad, you know, it reminds me of Minecraft, like in, some versions, I think it's changed now, but in earlier versions of the game, you could do the, like, dig out a one square of dirt and pour lava in there. So you had just a square of <laughs> of yeah. lava. And then you could throw junk blocks, like dirt, in there, and they would despawn because they'd, cause they'd burn. Um, yeah, yeah, this, the, the spot that I, I walked around, two things. One, it had signs everywhere, like, it's, it's 
federal crime to throw anything. To throw your soda in, can in, in there, kid, right? Yeah. Soda cans, coins, anything people would want to throw in there. But I went to the gift shop first because I saw the gift shop and it was, you know, on the way. And I'm like, I, I want to make sure, because this happened to me at um, Rushmore, and maybe we'll get to that. I almost missed um, the the shop where the stamp was closing. Yeah, um, oh, rough. And I, I was like, like no. I was like, am I gonna? I'm like, I'll be here all week, but it it's a half an hour from the campground to Rushmore. Like, am I gonna drive all the way out here again just to get that stamp? Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I could still get in there, and I think I probably could have. The guy in the gift shop told me the stamp was in the museum and the museum was closed, but it was like. 8.55, and I think they kept those doors open until after the lighting ceremony. But anyway, I've I've started to learn, like, let me get the stamp first and then walk around, especially if it's, you know, if I'm in a hurry or whatever. Um, but anyway, while I was in the gift shop, one of the rangers came in to get their, one of their grabber poles, and um, the lady running the, the gift shop, cashier, said... You know, so-and-so took the grabber pole, the other grabber pole, the longer one, or whatever they were doing this thing. And I was waiting in line behind this couple who were also getting the stamp and then buying something in the gift shop. And we, we, I and the husband in that couple, like, looked at the ranger as he was leaving. And he, and he has a pole, like an extended, like a painter would use, right? Yeah. Just a, just a big, long pole. And then on the end of it was a... Um, not slotted, but you know, you know, the spoon with holes in it, like a perforated yeah. spoon. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right word for it, but like a serving spoon bent, right? So that it's, it's a, like, like a, a ladle are, type thing, yeah. like almost like a ladle and then attached to this pole with hose clamps. And the, the, the guy in line in front of me, he goes, Oh, it's just like a spoon. And I go, yeah, with hose clamps. And we sort mm-hmm. of like looked and we're like, what a, what a like I don't know not I don't know what word to describe it, but it's like it's like something my dad or my grandpa would do. Like, oh, we need to get <laughs> something out of here. We can use this spoon, we gotta attach it somehow. What do we do we have some copper wire we can wrap around the thing? No, we ha- well what what if we use these hose clamps? Right. It definitely is, feels like a, a forest ranger type thing that they would do. Yeah, like a little bit of a MacGyver and and actually now that I'm describing it the the two like when i was a kid my dad would do stuff like that with copper wire because he had these spools of sing, like a single strand of copper wire that he'd gotten at a garage sale or something mm-hmm. and that was that like when i did a paper route i'd attach the basket to hold all the papers to my bike with those um things and now that kind of application we would do with zip ties mm-hmm. right we didn't have Zip ties weren't all over the place when I was a kid like they are now. But as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, they probably don't want copper in that water. Like, I don't know if... And they probably don't have copper wire. That's not a thing most people just normally have on hand. Um, and if they did zip ties, they would probably <laughs> over time melt from how hot the water gets. Oh, man. It's like 200 degrees, they'd be melted as soon as you put them in there is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, well, yeah, the, the hose clamps... Um, and I, I'm not. I thought maybe yeah. I would explain what hose clamps are, but if you don't know, you can look them up. They're, yeah, they're, they're like straps. They're like zip ties, but metal. It's a strap with a threaded and a screw yeah. thing to tighten it the, for 
for clamping hoses. Two, two other things about those those holes too are that um, one, one of them is that they're not water. They're heavily mineral laden. So, right. so like what, how is something 200 degrees and not just constantly boiling when it looks just like clear? Well, it's very thick of acidic stuff. And it's, some right. of those are actually like acid pools, um, mm, so, yeah. which is really weird. And you're looking at a thing and like, if you put your hand in there, it immediately starts eating hydrochloric acid at 200 degrees. Um, so it is like deceptively evil. I remember the ranger saying. And the other, the other one was that um, these are so hot because they are literally heated from lava. It, right. you, know, you look, look down those holes and many of those holes, if you were on a, a heat proof submersible, mini submersible would go down to very close to the, the mantle because the lava is so close to the surface there. Right. Um, and that's super heated from the earth's, you know, mantle. And I'm like, it's whoa, that, that's so it's crazy. That thing. Uh, yeah. And the, when I was standing next to that other couple, the lady said some of them are bubbling, right? They look like they're boiling, but they're not boiling. It's just there's there's air, there's oxygen down um, that's that's just rising through. It's mm-hmm. not actually boiling, which, yeah, if you think about it being not... I mean, there is some water, but it's so heavily concentrated um, with other with these other minerals and things that, yeah, it probably wouldn't... Well, just like when you put salt... In water, it um, has to get hotter to boil. Yeah, and, um, and you can see the the currents coming up through them, like it, that it's right. It's flowing from even hotter down below, coming up, and and it's it's just I don't know. It's an insane thing to say. And you're saying, and you're sitting next, to, uh, you know, next to these things, not but like fifteen feet away, and you feel cool. Like sometimes it's cold up there. Yeah, um, yeah. The air was. It was like in yeah. the fifties. That that way you can you can see how people are like oh I uh, I want to jump in this nice warm thing because it's nice and cool and yeah you, know, you wonder how many people you know bef- way back in the pioneer days did such a thing and died immediately right uh, right you just never know oh it's a wonderful hot spring yeah oh, I'm God. I'm generally I'm generally a pretty cautious person like I don't I don't I'm not one of those who like will look at Grand Canyon and want to get close to the edge I'm also afraid of heights so that helps with that but. <laughs> Um, I definitely did want you like, you can't walk close to it, but there are places where you get where the walkway is pretty close. And I was tempted to like, let me just reach a hand down there and feel how I didn't do it, but I, I really was tempted. <laughs> the, uh, final thing I will say that from my experience of like, I mean, cause we could talk about Yellowstone forever. Plus we want to talk about some of your other trip highlights, uh, was that, Talk about how when it when if it erupts we're all screwed. Yes, that's it. Like that, <laughs> if the, 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 that it's a super volcano. It's a super it, volcano. Yeah. Like the, the whole I mean, park. Y- y- yes, it's in the middle of Wyoming. Like it's kind of far from anything, but it's also gigantic, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when when they he said like, oh yeah, the center of it. If you're looking at the center, is out there at the lake, and and I'm the lake is like Lake Yellowstone, whatever it is, is massive. It's so it's so huge, big, right? Hugely, and, yeah. And and you're like, he's like, and you look at the map, and that's just the, like the top part of it. The whole thing is the size of this volcano, is like almost the size of Wyoming. The whole breadth of it, you know. Yeah. And I and I just stunned, like, and he says, yeah, if it goes up, it would go up like you know Mount St. Helens kind of an explosion type thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how would the Earth survive? That's too big. 
you know? Right. And he's like, yeah, probably wouldn't. He would not survive. And I, what? <laughs> yeah. And why aren't they telling about us about this? It's like, oh, well, you can't uh, live life terrified because it, it's what it is. And you can't do anything about it anyway. So. You can't do anything about it. It's it's in world ending stuff. But that, that but the, the scariness thing about I remember that that tour part was that that is way more likely than an asteroid coming and hitting us and ending the world. Like that's sure. a way more likely thing that will happen to the planet is that one of the super volcanoes in the world will erupt and then we're just done. And that's mm. mostly very likely to happen. I'm like, oh, you guys ruin everything. <laughs> the worst scientists are the worst. No, they was great. So anyway, okay. So you went to Yellowstone and beautiful place. You see any bears? I gotta ask that question. So no, I um last know. time last time I was in Yellowstone, we saw a lot of wildlife. Now it was mostly elk, but we also saw buffalo, bison, and there was a point where I thought maybe I could see a wolf, but it would have been just like its ears sticking up in the grass, and so it could have been it could have been nothing. Um, this time I saw a couple of bison, but like on the left side of the road, like when I was too far to stop, like I was too far past them to stop, I would have had to turn around. Um, and that was it. Like there were no elk, there were no, you know, I saw birds. That's, that's pretty Mm. much it, which was, which was a little disappointing. Um, but I also... I also took my time. We stopped a lot and took pictures and um, yeah, I walked I, around that, that hot spring thing that I mentioned. I saw most animals. Spring. I mean, they're all in Yellowstone, but the most animals I saw going west was in, definitely in the Black Hills. I mean, so many that wildlife preserve, just herds of them crossing streets and roads and stuff. And I'm surprised you didn't get stopped with herds of bison. Yeah, uh, I did. Um, while I was crossing Wyoming, I did have to stop for a massive herd of sheep that had wandered across the road. Like they were moving them from, you know, one pasture to another and, and they had walked and it's the time of year. I don't remember if we talked about this or, or somebody else where a lot of, um, um, herd animals like that have young, right? So when I see, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I see cattle in a field, oftentimes there are calves with them. And so the sheep, there were full-grown sheep, ewes, and also lambs. And they were just filling the road. It's like that scene in uh, Three Men and a Little Lady. And so I just stopped and waited. And a guy in a in a 4 by 4 came by, and or a four-wheeler, not four-wheeler, whatever. One of those little things, those... ATV things Um, came by and sort of drove down into the field on the other side to, to round up a few stragglers and kind of herd them back across the street because they weren't supposed to have crossed the road Um, Mm. and then just wait for it to clear and come through. I was like, well, here's some wildlife. I, I had back a week or two ago, had gone back and found, whole folder in one of my drives of, of pictures and videos even we had taken out there. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them was of the bison going across. And, uh, you know, when they decide, I think at the time we were driving, like a, a neon, little neon car, right? Right. Yeah. And um, they're, the, they're the size of that car, you know, walk, yeah. walking by you. And you think, oh, that's cool, until you're in the middle of them and they're all around you. 
And then you're like, oh, wow, this, wait, gotta, you know, be cool. And on the video, you hear me saying, telling the kids as like the bait, because I remember hearing Sydney say, oh, look, there's baby ones right next to the car. I was like, don't look at them. Keep looking forward. I don't want mama <laughs> to get upset because she's walking right next to him and right. think something's happening there. Yeah. Uh, but just keep staring ahead. Just keep staring, look, looking ahead. Look at the ones ahead of us, not the ones right next to your window. Right. No, no. But, but there's kind of, it's, it's uh, humbling is the word, right? Humbling. Sure. Yeah. yeah all, all of nature out states is very humbling with how grand and beautiful and if you're not humbled by going through wyoming some of the the big uh geo, geo geological features of going through the mountains that you know huge mountains are twisted you can see the stratification twists as they as they cut through for the roads you're like mm-hmm. you're, you're not doing it right because i just felt like a small person in a gigantic universe <laughs> right uh okay so you saw the saw the people's heads right did you see the back of them whatever yep. Stick bending over and sticking their heads through the mountains. Yeah, I saw I saw T-shirts for that. I went <laughs> and I, I I walked around. There's a trail that goes around, and there are a lot of signs. That, the trail's not very long. It's like point okay. six miles. I didn't do that. I was wondering about that. There are a bunch of signs that are like the trail is strenuous and has many stairs, which was an mm-hmm. accurate statement. It was yeah. up and down and up and down, and I was like, this is a lot of work. Not, um, not worth it for just to get closer, right? Yeah, because it's not like you you don't get super close, and you're still like, okay, well, I can see a little clearer, but I'm looking up Washington's nose here in this. Uh, um, but yeah, I did that, <laughs> and then I went and got some food um, in Keystone, the little town nearby, and uh, a couple one of the customers in that cafe was a local, and I had about forty minutes to kill before the before nine o'clock before the the lighting ceremony and so i asked them i was like what should i didn't have enough time to go like down needles highway or over to crazy horse or any of that um and i was like what's interesting around here and it's not like it's an old town right it's in the mountains even though it's like there's some tourism industry because rushmore is there but it's still like the middle of nowhere. So it's a lot of like trailer park kind Mm -hmm. of, um, kind of stuff. But, uh, she said there's a cemetery up at the top of the hill and from the cemetery, you can see the heads and apparently they put a bunch of solar lights. So if you're there when it gets dark, like the lights all kind of pop up like fireflies. Um, I was not there for that because I went back to Rushmore for the, for the lighting ceremony, but I did manage to find that, cemetery and get some pictures from there there's a set of flags at the top of the hill and you can see the faces um above the trees um the lighting ceremony was fine uh there was no um there was no naturalization or whatever um of becoming citizens no yeah none of i mean maybe because it was just a it was like Tuesday or Wednesday night. Maybe they only do that on certain nights on the weekends. There was a pretty much full crowd. Um, but the guy, uh, Ranger, came out and gave a little speech about free speech. And then they played the video, which apparently was narrated by Avery Brooks, uh, Captain Cisco. 
I saw mm-hmm. in the credits. Unless oh, it's right. a different. You, you told me that. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't know. Unless it's Jeffrey. a different Avery Brooks, but uh, I didn't. <laughs> so. Um, and then they shine lights up on it, and I was like, all right, that's cool. I mean, I'm glad I saw it, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like, sort of waiting around and then standing there was. By the time I got there, there was nowhere to sit, and so I stood through the whole like 45 minute presentation. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that their their presentation is celebrating like the greatness of America and all that has become kind of associated with a lot of terrible people and ideas in the last few years, uh, which made that a little mm-hmm. um, less gratifying than it maybe would have been at, at, at some point. But it's still like as no matter what's going on, like on the on the video or in the speech, you know, maybe being a little over dramatic or a little cheesy, I still could just glance up and see these massive heads carved into the mountain and like, all right, yeah, it's still I can gotta, you know, get over myself a little bit. Um <laughs> stand <laughs> standing in this in this place that's that's, you know, so unique. I I, I agree. I mean people can be cynical about nationalism or patriotism and we don't we don't do political stuff here, but understandably why people can be that way in this sure. time period of our, our country. But yeah. uh, I, I would like to posit forward that it's also okay to have pride in where you're from. Um, sure. Of course. And, and, and to feel okay in that and to be and, and to have a good sense of, you know, what we've accomplished and who we are and, you know, whether that be local in your city area, neighborhood, country whatever um Mm -hmm. you know those kind of things are good i think they're they're, they can be they can be very positive and and wonderful and i know when my visit to mount rushmore i came away walking away out of that thing feeling that good way like i'm i like being here i like the feeling of almost like a community it's is what that feeling is right that we're Mm -hmm. we're all a big community here we're kind of in it together type stuff um and then i felt that same way going out to dc which i i didn't realize until you're out there um felt that same way when i went to the uh, vietnam wall which again i did not expect right. um and the, I, I just want to say i think those are good things to feel um yeah. and you don't always expect them you know you have to be pretty pretty cynical to you know go and stand in front of you know the <laughs> vietnam war memorial and say like this country sucks or you know like of that. course of course yeah and that's that's not what i mean it's you know, again, we don't really get into politics. There's just a lot of it that is, I don't want to say fake, but it's like ignorant of certainly, you know, believing, believing these epithets about how great America is compared to, you know, that are still like, that are, that are outdated, right? Like, like there's nowhere else that has free speech or that there's, you know, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. you know, for a lot of these people comes along with so much hate, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. regarding immigrants and, and things like that. But anyway, yes, yeah. you're right. You're right. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with um, having pride in your home, right? In your, in your place where you're from and, and all of those things. Right. And, and it's, you know, out there, it's really, especially that whole area is just, I think everything is striking from that you round every corner. Um, right. You know, to, to feel that way. 
Uh, so, but you're in Washington. No, you said you're in Montana still. No, so you're heading though. You'll end up in Washington. I'm, so you're I'm, not. I'm, you're not in. I'm in spot. Washington now. No, no, no. Oh, yes. Okay. I I got here a few hours ago. Oh, so uh, so you're here. This is your here. spot for a little while, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'll be. I'll be here a couple weeks at this campground, but I'll be in the state probably for a couple months. Might dip okay. down into into Oregon, or there is one park up in Vancouver and BC that I might cross the border and stay at. But hmm. cool. Um, I'll be. I'm going to um, southern Mexico, uh, Yucatan Peninsula area. Hmm. Uh, on Wednesday, I'm real excited about it. Uh, don't have a whole lot of plans, although it's it's interesting. I've got a couple of friends who have chimed in with the "you should do this" and "you should do that." I'm sure over there, you know, hit this really cool cultural thing or go see this, you know, neat excursion or something. Which all of it sounds wonderful and things I would usually do, but I'm most looking forward to doing nothing. So I think sure. a lot of this trip is to just stay on property um, in a very isolated place and let that be. The thing. So I think my report coming back is, I'm hoping, is very uneventful. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that I, I just sit, there's nothing more to talk about from the first day to last day because I sat around the pool and hopefully in the shade because I don't want to, you know, don't get burnt to a crisp on, on the first sure. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping that um, Trotsky and I find a, a nice um, shaded area where we can play games. We... I've I've been watching a lot of how to play videos for for our stuff so that we can sure yeah go there. He's got a game that he, he I guess he's been wanting to play for a long time and um and bought it just for this trip, um, but it has never bought it because it's a two player game. But it's one of those mm. big involved games, but only right. two players. So you know, do you buy a game just for two? It's whatever. Um, right. But it's called 1960: The Making of a President. Um. And it's Nixon versus uh, Kennedy. So each person plays one or the other. Is and it one of those? Um, oh, what's that company that makes the games that look like books? No, but I know a, what you're talking about. It's not, they have it's a Tortuga a game and a Deadwood game. And yes, they all have years on them. That's, that's, you said that the title with the year made me think of that. Oh, no, no. But I know which one you're talking about that one. Um, no, this this is... Because I, I watched the how to play, and it, it's involved. There's a lot kind of going to it, but it's the the whole gist of the game is that you're on the campaign trail and you're trying to to win, you know, win each state. Um, sure. And each round, you're you're taking actions and using uh, cards that are themed around that presidential race that happened in 1960, and um, you are making these moves and a lot of there's a it seems like it's going to be a lot of decisions on where like a real campaign thing where you want to focus your your stuff and then react based on what your opponent's doing um and then there's you know do you decide to spend a lot of stuff on media coverage and advertising or right um there's a whole bunch of these little there's they're in themselves they don't seem too complicated but there's a lot of them and it feels or a moderate amount of them enough that um, I'm interested and exciting, excited to play, but I have a feeling that when it's over, I'm going to have the, we're going to spend two three hours playing it. And then I'm going to be like, Oh, now I understand what I should be doing. Uh, right. Two, two or three hours later. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of those games. Um, but 
Mike caught me before I ever said that because when he bought the game, he's like, okay, I'm getting this, and I want us to play it twice. So hmm. so we're going to play it twice, and it's going to be a good two, three-hour <laughs> game. Um, yeah. I'm I'm having a feeling it's probably one of those we, we have in the hotel room and leave on the table um, and, gotcha. and play throughout. Nice. Um, but, yeah, I, gotta, I, I packed a suitcase full of games today. It's a little heavy, so I'm going to have to figure out how, you know, how to deal Just with that. Knock it down a little one. bit, yeah. We knock it down a little bit, but uh, um, yeah, it's it's like I said, it's a, it's a whole suitcase just full of board games. And I'm real, real excited about that because you know, Mike and I obviously love playing board games, and we love playing small board games, meaning like lower player count ones. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we often we are really fortunate to have several friends, and when we get together with board games, we want to play with as many friends as we can because that's a great part about playing games. Sure. Um, so, you know, four-player games are the rarity with our group. Um, and there's a lot of really great four-player games. There's a lot of really great three- or two-player games. Really, really great classic games. Sure. Um, and you can't make those into there. But like I was just saying, getting playing a four-hour two-player game is, you know, how often does that happen? So this is an <laughs> opportunity for Mike and I to, to play the short and the long just two-player type games. Um, and that's pretty much predominantly what we picked when I was over his house and when he was doing stuff. Um, we're, we're just picking things that are, you know, really good for two players. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Can't, can't wait to, for it to, to get here. Uh, it's, it, this is one of the first times I've really done a Wednesday to Wednesday trip. Mm-hmm. Everybody always does Friday to Sunday, you know, week type thing. Yep. Uh, it's just economically better that way. You, you know, you get one day less off. One day more, and you have to use one less vacation day in that scenario. Right. Um, but in this one, it's not so great. But obviously, things are much cheaper this way, considerably the more affordable. Flights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, like, even hotel rooms, you know, because if you're staying Wednesdays instead of two weekends. Um, mm. But, uh, so this is, I'm usually waiting until Friday. You get a whole week of work. And then Friday comes and you you leave, Right. Now it's like I, st- I have to after the weekend I have to go to work for two days, and really oh, work hard while yeah. being distracted if I want to be doing other things. Right. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that, uh, and we're gonna have a see if we can record while I'm out there and my credit headset. We'll, we'll make it happen. Oh yeah. Okay. Now that we've talked uh, for you know 45 minutes uh, on the show on stuff <laughs> let's let's talk about our our, our show or some some of our stuff we've got on on the list today where, where do you want to start today um boy i have been as i said i spent three days tra- traveling so i'm kind of in a daze i, I crossed mountains several oh, times yeah. and doing actual real world stuff right yeah well i mean just up and down and that's been that's been my whole life the last three days. So I, <laughs> um, what have I? D- um, last week I played some Diablo, and over the weekend I watched our movie, and I also listened to an audiobook that I would recommend to you. I don't know if you could get it yet though. It's one of Brandon Sanderson's special project books. Uh, let me talk about that one real quick because it shouldn't take too long. I, I do, I do need a good audiobook now that I can listen to him in the car. I really do need something to listen to. I'm getting tired of listening to music and and just like 
news. I gotta get something. <laughs> um, so you are familiar with Brandon Sanderson. He wrote the mm-hmm. Mistborn trilogy and many other. I mean, I've read almost all. Or v- very pro- prolific, uh, lo- beloved author. author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantasy. Um, so this is a one-off of his that's not in his connected universe that he calls a Cosmere. Um, it's called The Frugal Wizard's Handbook to Medieval England. Okay. And so the setup is a guy wakes up in a field in medieval England and has no memories. He doesn't know who he is, what he's doing there, and he has a, a handbook that's really like like a like a big marketing book, like you would get a book for a college or something. Okay. Um, with a bunch of, you know, what's it's supposed to be his handbook, right? It's supposed to be helpful information. And in between the narrative of the story, which is written in first person, which is unusual for Sanderson, um, there are excerpts from the book where they'll explain things. There are little legal disclaimers, um, and. The audiobook is like 10 or 12 hours, so it's also not very long for a, for a Sanderson book, mm-hmm. um, and I enjoyed it. It was um, yeah, that is pretty solid. That is pretty, pretty short yeah. and digestible, I guess. The thing. I, sometimes a lot of, with getting into book or book series um, is that they're, they're, like people will recommend, oh, you should read this, and for good reasons, because... They're like trilogies, right? Or even right. more. And it's, even if you start an audiobook series, you're, especially an audiobook series, you're like, oh my God, this is 40, 60 hours for this, listening to this thing. And it's just book one. Um, right, right. And it's, it's very, very daunting to, to even think. Or, or worse, when you go to the bookstore and you go grab a book and there's like eight of them and you're picking up book one. It's like, oh. Sometimes it's yeah. a good thing, but. This know, one, I. I don't think it's a spoiler to say the the premise is it's it's some years in the future, a hundred or so years in the future, and um, society has discovered uh, the ability to travel between dimensions, right? Like a multiverse thing. Yeah. And the the company that printed the handbook that the main character has um, sells these dimensions to individuals as just like a tourism thing. Okay. Right? They they own the rights to this band of dimensions where um the like culture has has only advanced to roughly the five hundred or so year span of medieval England. Okay. Um and where um their language is comprehensible to modern English. Okay. Um and so that's the that's the sort of world building setup that doesn't really tell you anything specifically about the story um but of course the character is there and he doesn't know like who he is how he ended up here it takes him a little while to figure out the dimensional travel thing but it's like he got here somewhere and how does he get back does he want to go back what even kind of person is he from you know it's that uh there's a word for this um, I'm not going to think of it now, but there's a there's a trope word for a term for a person who like the born identity, right? For his like amnesia, where, where it's, you, you know he he can do things, but he doesn't know why 
you know, is he a good guy or bad guy or. Mm, yeah. Right. That's the, uh, has the autonomic functions of stuff. Right. So what do they always say? Like a uh, muscle memory. So they say, right. Memory, right. Right. Reactions. Uh, I got to watch, Hey, wait, did you see Spider-Man yet? The new spider. Obviously I wouldn't think you'd have time to go see that, but not yet. I thought about it while I was outside of rapid city, but the only, the only theater I saw was an AMC classic, which was on the North side of rapid city, which would have taken me like 40 minutes to get to. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to drive 40 minutes to go to an AMC classic. Sure. With the old stadium seats and stuff. Which, which is what we have here in Bloomington. Still Bloomington. Yeah. Credit classic stuff. Um, so we'll, 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 next thing we watch that, we'll, we'll talk about that one. I'm mean, eager right. to discuss that one. I did see Transformers, the new Transformers Rise of the Beast Wars. Um, I, I enjoyed it being a Transformer fan. Uh, I think, and it's, I've been on the record before that even the Michael Bay ones, many I did not like at all and one I walked out in. So um, to say that, that I enjoyed this, you know, puts it at least at a, at a medium level for, for most people. Sure. Uh, I would rank it where I enjoyed the Bumblebee movie and. And it wasn't, the movie wasn't like, oh my God, everybody should go watch this. But it was an enjoyable movie, I thought, for mm-hmm. generally people to watch. And I felt this one was at that level or a little better even. Okay. Um, so I'm, that makes me happy, you know, especially when I expect way worse. <laughs> All um, right. As we say, moderating our, moderating our expectation. Mine was as moderate, as low as it can go. Last mm-hmm. time I walked out, you know, of, of Transformers 5 or whatever it was. Um. So, and it is important to note that I have been recently on a long kick of watching the Fast and Furious movies. So, sure, you, that's also you can't, you can't set your expectations a little bit. Yeah, right. I'm already desensitized to, to craziness, um, but I, I enjoy I enjoyed it. Um, you know, a, a lot. Uh, the not Dino, it's the, the Beast Maximals, is what they're called. Uh, okay. We're fun. I, I don't know anything about them or their history because I never. It was a little bit too old when that show came out. But some people, for some people, that's like their Transformers. Right. Um, but they were good. Like the, their part in the thing was good. Um, there's a lot more robot stuff in this, which is wonderful. Um, I think what made it better too is that I I feel generally in the Transformer movies, with the ex- exception of Haley Steinfeld, which was in Bumblebee the humans are insufferable. Like the actors are just terrible. The it's lines like a, are people awful. say that a lot about Godzilla movies. You, you, right. Yes. Right. You just want to watch the other cool parts and not the human parts. And I get that the comic books have, a, and the cartoons had a lot of human components. Sure. sure. Um, but uh, I, with this one, the, the main actor guy is pretty good. Like I actually enjoyed him through the, the thing. He just had a good expressions. He felt very natural in the role is the best way to say it. He didn't, okay. you know, uh, what was it? The guy played Sam Whitwicky, the, um, the actor, he it was so over, overacting. It was okay. crazy. Right. Um, and Marky Mark's dialogue with him is his daughter and her boyfriend was just awful, just terribly <laughs> awful. Um, and everything about the Michael Bay cast was just incredibly awful. So th- to have one that's just like semi-believable was was pretty fun. Um, okay. And then the, the robot parts were good. The, some criticism, a criticism I think some people I've, I've heard a lot about is that 
Optimus Prime is a jerk um, in okay. this, uh, but if you read and actually take a second, um, he has an arc. Like he, for the mm. first time, they actually gave Transformer the Transformers like arcs, like real story stuff. Like okay. they start here, they have things that happen to him, they go through some changes, and they end up in this other spot. So this is the arc of how he became just a transformer leader of Autobots to actually having affection for humanity and earth. Um, okay. And, so is this like a, like a prequel? It is. It's a, it's a, it's a sequel to Bumblebee, but before the Michael Bay movies. I see. So it's like, it starts in 1994 is when it was where, when it takes place. Okay. Um, which, which is pretty great because then you get to have all the classic actual Generation 1 Transformer vehicles. Okay, um, sure, w- sure. You know, which is pretty great. And you can have like, oh, that's actual Transformers, none of this uh, weird stuff that we're, we're showcasing were, now. Were there a lot of dope 90s needle drops? Uh, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of 90s needle drops. I had said that too. Is is when I got out of there, we we'll talk. I saw it with uh, Pat and uh, and for the show Bill, um, and I was like, they they man, they were doing a lot of you know '90s music in this, but none of the '90s music that they played in there I liked. Um, sure. And 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 Bill was like, yeah, and they played almost the whole song every time they put one on. Mm. Like, yeah. So you couldn't just get like one cool shot. It was the whole, they're playing it through the whole combat scene. And you're like, you know, um, it, not a spoiler part. One of them, as an example, is that somebody makes a, a big grand entrance into the combat and it plays, you know, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. And that totally works because they came on there, a big surprise thing, right? Sure, and sure. you're like, oh, that makes sense. And that's a 90s song. But Mama Gonna Knock You Out is just not a great song, you know? <laughs> and, and they just keep playing Mama Gonna Knock You Out. And I'm like, okay, everything happening here is cool. Can you not have that, that music on top of this? The whole um, time, yeah. Yeah, so there were several of those where they were doing that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like this, but somebody else may be like, oh, this is my jam, you know? So sure, that's, sure. It, it's that subjective. Um, but anyway, I won't talk too much more about it. It, it was fun. It's definitely a summer movie. Uh, definitely, if you want to like, you know, you think of a big blockbuster Hollywood movie, this is that, but not stupid dumb. Um, it's not, okay. it's not, uh, well, it's it's definitely got some dumb things, but it's not, I'm going to offend so many people. It's not Fast and the Furious dumb. You know, okay. Fast, and the, Fast and the Furious is where, okay, after the third one, I, it's supposed to be you know, crazy. Right. This one has crazy, but it actually has some stories. About it. So I, I really, I'm really happy. I will watch it again. Uh, so far, I still say Spider-Man. Oh, I shouldn't say it to you because that's not cool. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse is my favorite movie out this, this, this year. And I will watch that one again for sure. Um, sure. In, in the theaters. And I think that's a tribute to, for me, for what makes a good film. If you'll go and pay money to watch it again, um, then that's, that's worth it. Uh, I have on my list here that we still haven't talked about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. What I was your thoughts you were, on that thing? I think you were right about that. Um, I know it's been like several weeks since since you got to watch it, and me for about a month or so, but what, what's your thoughts on, on the, the capping capstone project of 
Guardians of the Galaxy and um, um, the director's last movie and Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's. I don't really know. Like I've heard some of the complaints leveled against it. the 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 needle drops were some of the least liked of the three movies. I think that's just a matter of them moving the the eras forward with each movie. Yeah, um, yeah. which is a weird decision, first of all. And yeah. then, of course, yeah, you're not getting a lot of great '60s jams. You're getting some weird '90s stuff, and also, uh, I can't believe Florence and the Machine is now old enough to be a, a you know, an, an, a decade era song. But of course, it's from <laughs> the early mid aughts, so um, that makes sense. Um, the tone of it was weird. I don't know if. Um, you know, we talked about, I don't know how much we talked about this, but we talked about this with, um, Suicide Squad 2 or the Suicide Squad, whatever, the second Suicide Squad <laughs> the movie. The Suicide Squad. Um, I also watched Peacemaker and I liked it a lot, though mostly just for the opening, uh, song, which was awesome. Um, and trying to figure out like with James, James Gunn's work, like whether it's better if he's reined in by... MCU's kind of uh, what word do I want to use for this? Like family friendly PG tone parameters uh, fence or if he's better given more free reign to make stuff gross and shocking and bloody and Mm -hmm. um, Whatever. I think there's a place for both of those things. I don't know which of them Gunn does better. Uh, this movie felt like it was trying to walk a line somewhere in between. Um, I was a little... We haven't done the spoiler bells here, but... Um, some Some parts of it felt extreme, like pushing the envelope, and then other parts felt very um very safe in a bad way if that makes any kind of sense i'm trying to yeah. trying to dance around um <laughs> how how i felt about the conclusion and and what did or didn't happen uh um based on the expectations set by the trailers um, right. which is a thing marvel does like you know subvert or or misdirect people's expectations using trailers which is yeah. smart oh, yeah. yeah um but i think in this case it's it felt more like deceptive in a bad way than like erasing characters out of the trailers for uh spider-man no way home oh yeah um and i know people have said like that the characters seem to end up where they started which is i a thing i think has always kind of been true for these guardians movies um you know they they do they do a lot of big um like discovery realizations at the end of the movie and then in the next movie are sort of back where they were still kind of being jerks to each other um and so i don't know that that is that disappointing? Because I think they've always kind of been that way. Um, but yeah, I think that's most of what I've got off the top of my head. Here. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, it's been a bit since I remember some of this, but as you're speaking, it's bringing some of it back. Um, I would say I wasn't a fan of the mid act, that second act where they go to the like living planet place or whatever. Um, it just oh, yeah, felt weird. Yeah, it was just weird. It felt not important in, it, in any way. Um, the only thing it um, did for me and, and helped with the story or the plot or any kind of thing was, um, helped me remember that star lord is actually pretty cool because he he does have that scene where he's like he's just they kept kind of i felt like character assassinating the whole time how he's just mm. pining after gamora constantly yeah and yeah. and uh and, and it was just really dragging and then on with him like man he's just the worst in this whole thing and then they have that scene where he you know he comes through and he uh he shows his intelligence i guess when he like tricks that mm-hmm. girl into doing the thing um right and i was like okay that's cool now we got to see the the cunning and charming star lord actually do what he does you know we've seen in the other stuff that makes him a great character um right unfortunately that was really the only other time that they did that um mm-hmm. because he was fine um but not all this more um more emphasis on Mantis, which I really liked. I liked her. Um, sure. Although I didn't like what she did with Drax. I'm not spoiling too much there, but like there's a moment she does something with Drax, yeah, says yeah, something yeah. offensive to him and then does something. And I didn't like that at all. Um, it felt very out of character and, and wrong. But the, I think the, I felt the whole movie had definitely reeked from start to finish of this is the last time we're doing this. Like every character felt that way. Every person felt that way. Um, yeah, without, but also kind of without really committing to that. Right. Um, I had I had very mixed, like, level of interest in any of the Rocket backstory. And I yeah, don't know if that was sure. just me. Like, like, some of it really worked, and then other stuff I was like, I think I'm supposed to feel, you know, emotional about what's on screen right now, and I'm just not. Yeah. I don't know if it's CGI animals or what. Yeah, um, yeah, it just didn't land for me. It's it's a uh, it's an interesting thing. I I kind of get your feeling. I felt a, the only, I felt emotional at a part, and then when we jump into spoilers here, I'll, I'll get more. There was a there was a part at the end that I felt some emotional parts, but but the rocket stuff I didn't really feel. I mean, he's he's an important character that we like, but of course the trouble that he got into, I was never like. I don't know, uh, emotionally invested, I guess. Um, and, and that could just be me. I mean, that's what I kept thinking too. Is like, maybe it's just me. Um, some people must, I didn't realize he was, they were playing it like he was the most popular um, guardian you know, on the team. And I never really felt that way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was a great secondary character, but I didn't yeah. know that they, that James Gunn saw him as the most important character. Um right. And that the team rallies around him, and it's all about him. I never felt that way at all, but this one was definitely playing that that uh, that thing. Right. Um, I, I thought the villain was good. I thought he did a real good job with the villain. Um, you know, had, mm-hmm. had good good true motivations, uh, but was still a villain. Um, you know, pr- appropriately scary um, and cool. Uh, I they did Adam Warlock dirty. I will say. Um, but my thoughts on that one is that his comic book character is considerably cooler. Very, very neat. He's, 
the best way to say it is like if they had made Captain America, Steve Rogers, like pretend that that like Adam Warlock was in the red, white, and blue outfit and was you know Steve Rogers instead, and you'd be like, oh man, they just made him super goofy and dumb and a butt of jokes, you know, mm-hmm. and like. Captain America is so cool and he's got such a story and it's a neat thing and he's such a leader. And then they made him do this. So I have that feelings with this is that they made Adam, they said they did Adam Warlock wrong, but that's me being a comic book person. And I know that's just not what they decided to do with Adam Warlock in the MCU. And that's fine. He's just not going to be the cool guy he is in, in the comic books. That's unfortunate, but I recognize loss of potential. Fine. Move on from that and kind of, you know, give that up. But um, people, other people that weren't so um, easy, that are comic book fans and friends of mine, were definitely, that's the biggest problem for them the whole time. It's like, wow, they totally ruined it for me. At least three people that I know. They're like, totally ruined the movie that I love Adam Warlock and they just were, he was awful. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was a disappointment but didn't ruin it for me. Um, and Gamora also, I didn't like what they did too much with her because I get, she's not the same person that it was, but Mm -hmm. it just felt very unsatisfying. The whole, her, her being in there the whole time. Um, it's like restarting over with, like not restarting over with Gamora from episode one, because even the first guardians of the galaxy one, she was much more on board with, being a hero and being like that she's at her core, a good person in a bad situation. This is just like a jerk Gamora the whole time. Um, yeah. Interestingly, it's kind of the opposite problem that the Loki series had. Right. right? Oh yeah. Because, right. Yeah. You're because right. Yeah. Loki well in, in the Loki series is almost identical situation. I mean, from the same, they're both spun off of, of Endgame, of Avengers uh-huh. Endgame, yeah. um, where a version of him from the past is bought, brought into the future, except in the Loki series, like, he watches a TED Talk and is present-day Loki from the... Um, yeah, he's immediately know. there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and this is the opposite, right? This opposite. She she Well, she never has a TED Talk thing, but I almost feel like she... I wish she would have. Um. Because at no point, and I don't think this is a spoiler here, but at no point did she become the Gamora that we know and love. And yeah, oh, and in a way, right. like you sort of get it if you know, based on the the circumstances of her being brought into the present timeline, and also like the only, seemingly the only like force or influence, like her version of that of that Ted talk is just Peter simping after her. Right. Which is terrible. Right. Simping like, in the sense, I get but, why she would hate him, you know? Um, and so she has no real like motive. Like she does. This is maybe a little bit of a spoiler. For me. Like she softens in terms of like being good or bad. Um, but not, but not a lot. It's, it's very understated. Yeah. And it, and it, for the last time that we may see her probably um, mm. feels like, you know, disappointing. 
Yeah, it's very disappointing. You know, that she of anyone in the series, I think she has come the furthest, um, you know, from transformation, I guess, or Nebula, her and Nebula. Nebula um, yeah. And then to have her role in this last movie be basically a non-role um, was very disappointing. And, and that's, that's too bad. Um, so just hop into spoilers real quick and just kind of talk about some of those things. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say what I was skirting around earlier. Yeah, I was, that's where it, I'm going to go with it's, the rocket. It's part, weird yeah. considering considering James Gunn and what he did in Suicide Squad and what he did in uh, Peacemaker. It's weird that the and you you predicted this. I was not paying close enough attention to the trailers because I I'm like sure I'll watch these Marvel movies so we can talk about them on the podcast. But I'm right. so like not not quite over it, but like so much, there's been so much content in phase four and it's all been so mediocre at best. Right. Yeah. Um, that I had no real expectations, but the trailers heavily implied that somebody was going to die. And even the movie sets it up. And as the movie, as it was going to like second and third act, like into the second hour, the last 40 minutes, whatever I was like, is Rocket going to be unconscious and dying this whole movie and then die at the end? That seems weird. Like, it's not really unexpected because he's been dying the whole time. And then you're showing us all these flashbacks. So is this like, we're going to give all his backstory and then, and then he's going to die. And then, you know, Peter goes back to save his freaking music tape or whatever. And I'm like, is that, that it? Like he, he certainly looks dead. And then, and then Warlock goes out to save him and like, Okay, so nobody dies. Nobody dies. Okay, it's it's the opposite of Suicide Squad. I mean, not the, the Suicide Squad. He kills a bunch of other characters. Um, I, I'm betting. I'm betting if it was if I was a betting man that he was told that he can't kill them. Maybe, yeah. I, if I know James Gunn, he would want to kill most of that cast off um, as he left. Not not in a vindictive way. But like, right. I think that would be his like, well, we can kill three, put three members off and then it'd be fine for, for probably very justifiable reasons, more than suicide squad, side squad reasons. And it's um, not that, it's not that the MCU really has, I mean, they sort of have plot armor, but not completely, not, not in a post end game sure. world. Like, you know, they got rid of Tony and, um, Steve, mm-hmm. um, and so it's not, it's not unheard of. And like, is, is somebody else going to take up the, take up the helm here and continue the guardians franchise? Like it's definitely set up where there could be more movies or it could just be done. I don't know. It was I, just I a will, weird choice. I will say that the guardians comic book is a generally has been a, a rotating cast, very much like the Avengers. Okay. Um, that, for the last, since the movies came out, Peter Quill has always been part of the team. And for the mm-hmm. most part, Rocket and, and Groot have been part of the team. But um, Rocket and Groot's easy because you can just CGI those and replace the voice actors. Um, right. So, so that's not a problem. But uh, Star-Lord is staying on. Like it, that, We see that when our spoilers, that he's staying here. It's the, the ending tag was Star-Lord will return, mm-hmm. uh, which was a surprise to me, actually. Um, yeah. And then afterwards, uh, Chris Pratt has been on record of like being very excited to stay on with the character, which was kind of nice. So many of them have been like, I love it. I'm so sad to see it go, but I'm glad it's done. Right. Sure. 
for all the good reasons. And um, it was kind of a refreshing thing to hear him say the opposite of that. Like I'm, I'm ready to continue on. So that's all to say that they can easily just put different guardians together. Cause the guardians team is a team that has rotating members in and out. For example, uh, um, Venom's been on the team. Captain Marvel's been on the team. Iron Man's been on the team. Uh, 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 Captain Marvel's on, on the team. There's a lot of people, Thor, um, have been guardians at one point or the other. So they can always just make a new guardians team like what they did at the end. You know, what you saw at the, the very end with rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with the, the rocket death thing. I, I mean, I knew, you know, he had an early air quotes death and I'm like, now that just means he's not going to die. And then they showed, right. they showed Peter being carried like they showed in the trailer. I'm like, Oh, well, he's not going to die. Um, mm-hmm. Which was, you know, I, again, I didn't. I'm okay then them not dying, but I did expect one at least. Um, yeah, to somebody. have like a heroic thing, and and the big one would have been great if it would have been Gamora. Like I thought, Gamora should have died. Like mm. She she could have come back, realized that this was a real thing, have some kind of character thing where like, oh, I, this is who I want to be. I I sacrifice myself for the people that I truly care about. And then it's that the arc, but it never happened. And you're like, ah, um, yeah, you know, and, and even the Peter non-sacrifice in the end was very too much of a bait and switch. Like, here it is. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to die. And um, I will say I really wanted at the very end, he, was it she, or is it, he uh, goes out into space and freezes to save her in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you remember that? No, but Okay. Uh, it, yeah, there, there's a scene where I'll take she, your word for it. I don't. Yeah, she she escapes in the first one, and she's freezing in space, and just like he is in, in on this one at the end. Okay, sure. and and he, uh, Star Lord, jumps out of the machine and goes and like saves her at his expense and starts to die, and they mm-hmm. get saved by Yondu. Um, but he sacri- he basically sacrifices himself to save her. And then when he jumps at the end, I thought this would be great for Gamora to jump out and save him in the exact same way that she saved, he saved her and she sacrifices her life for him in the same right. way. I thought, That's a great, well, well done, James Gunn. I saw it happening. I, oh, he's going to make it all come back around and it's all going to be about love. The one thing, that great scene that they showed and then they don't and she just saves him. I'm like, well, that was weak. <laughs> it was kind of yeah. disappointing the whole time. So the, the, the part I got emotional about was um, Drax's ending, like the, the, the line, um, he was always meant to be a dad. You know, that's his, his mm. now that, now that he, you know, Thanos is dead and his purpose is to be dead. I was like, Oh, that's, it's very, that I loved that thread with him. Um, and th- they brought that back to that. Like, Oh, I really, really like, I like that one. I, I had hoped that they would have, given a more sentimental send off, send off between him and Mantis when they kind of separated. Right. But uh, it, it was what it was. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I was meh on the show, not, not against it, not for it. Right. Um, but it did feel like it was trying to push too much. And then the main story was forgettable because it was rocket. Um, oh, I did. I did. Uh, I was a little sad that they killed off all the rocket buddies. Like, I thought they were gonna kill one or two of them off, but they just massacred the whole. Like, yeah, it's it's. Things. I think that's part of what made 
the main cast all surviving more disappointing because the rest of and I get that like they're trying to reinforce how much of a villain the villain is, but I'm like, mm-hmm. you set up these characters. Um, also the 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 voice of the rabbit floor <laughs> was um the same. She was um uh um Glenn Close uh, Nova Prime's assistant in the first movie. Oh, okay. Um, Didn't I know, know that. that actress. She she dated Nathan Fillion for a minute. Oh. So I saw that on my feeds. I mean, they, they, all the people in that, they were, they were very likable. Teefs and Floor. Um, I, I thought they were, they did a good job of endearing you to them. Um, yeah, that stuff felt very James Gunn. Like, just very weird, um, kind of, like, this is supposed to be endearing, but it's also kind of unsettling. Kind it's of creepy, stuff. though. Yeah. yeah. You expected the rabbit at any point to start murdering people, you know, and taking yeah. glee from it. And you're like, what, what, what am I supposed to think here? Um, but yeah, then they just straight up murder them all in one scene. I'm like, oh, geez, that's just yeah, a weird, weird way to go there. Um, and then we just the whole racket, rocket, I'm rocket raccoon. I was like, okay, that was all right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he said the thing. Fine. Um, but yeah. I don't know. It, it could, I will say, I guess it could have gone worse. Where James Gunn left, killed everybody off, and then it was a terrible ending. Um, and and he's like, I'm like, fuck Marvel. I'm going to DC and making all their their stuff. Um, right. But but he didn't. It's fine. So we'll we'll see what he does with DC. Uh, the the speaking of DC, Flash is coming out this next weekend. All intents and purposes, everyone. I should never say this because it always skews me, but. There's not been a non-glowing uh, review of the movie or anyone who's even remotely seen it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, comes it's back begrudgingly, I mean, like, I can't believe I wanted to hate this movie, and it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, yeah. that's. I mean, I saw the trailer, and I was like, huh, this looks good? <laughs> Question mark. But trailers always look good? Well, yeah, and the worst is that people actually watching the whole film are coming back with, like, what? Why do I love this so much? Um, not why, but they're not saying. But um, it, I, I think the most telling for that movie for me was that James Gunn came into DC and gutted everything and like just straight up got rid of anything to do with anything except mm-hmm. for like that. He, got, he didn't do Aquaman either, but like this one, he came back and said, um, I was going to get rid of this one, but then I saw it. And it's one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. And now I had to make it center to how I changed DC. And I was like, wow, that's, that was unexpected for a DC flash movie to hear earlier on. Right. Um, And, and he had seen like a finished cut of it. So, and then now we're getting some actual reviews come out and they're also kind of glowing and from people who wouldn't typically glow about it. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm still going to go with it with a uh, lowered expectations because, you know, DC has never been great. Um, I will say, um, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, all, all I know is that those people can't go in the forward anyway. Cause like the, the DC universe is all gutted. And so maybe they'll all die. Maybe that's the thing that, that happens. Mm-hmm. They all die in the end. Uh, James Gunn's like, I can't kill off other people. We'll, how about we'll kill all these people off? Uh, anyway. Hey, let's talk about, 
while we're in the films, let's do our uh, our movie this week. All right. All right. This week we watched So I Married an Axe Murderer with Mike Myers and Nancy Travis and a couple other people you've recognized from kind of small parts. Um, I know the actress who played his mom was also the foster mom in uh, Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> <That's kind laughs> yeah. Obscure. For a minute, I thought it was the secretary from Ferris Bueller, but it's not. Yeah. It's a different actress. They're very similar. Uh, so I've, I'd seen this a couple times, but you had never seen it? I had never seen it, right, up to this point. Um, so what what'd you think? Uh, I don't know. This is one of those I don't have much to say about it. Um, sure. I was never, I said this last week, I never, was never a fan of Mike Myers, uh, mm-hmm. with a few exceptions. And this was around the time of my life where uh, I should like Mike Myers. Because in high school, you like completely dumb things, right? The right. things that the dumber they are, the more they make you giggle. Um, so I completely understand why people like Mike Myers, you know, um, mm-hmm. and for example, the get in my belly stuff, right? Right. Um, uh, Austin Powers with Austin Powers things. I, I can get, I, I understand it, but, uh, typically his Saturday night live stuff. I never really, you know, got into him. And then this one, this show kind of reminded me why, like this felt, this movie felt like it was a vehicle for him to do just his kind of like, it's like he was doing stand up or skits um, uh-huh. several times, uh, which is, and he was, but he was doing it light Mike Myers, not like full on get in my belly kind of over the top stuff. Right. He was just doing the light version. I, so many times I wanted him to just, I was expecting him to just look at the camera and give it like his little winks that he gives to camera. <laughs> he does like, once. That, yeah, right. Breaks that fourth wall. I figured all, he, all, yeah. almost to the end. It's almost at the end. He does a he does a fourth wall break. I, yeah. I think that's that's the only time. Yeah, I, um, I I expect I expect that he he. Uh, so since that's not my kind of humor, like for example, the slam poetry stuff. Like I think that was supposed <laughs> to be funny, and I'm sure it's funny to some people, but it was not funny to me at all. I was like, I don't like any of this. Um, but I recognize that's me. Like clearly he's, he's a beloved comedian from a lot of people. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, if I were watching this for the first time, if that would have, that's, that's some of my, my favorite thing about this movie is his bad slam poetry with the jazz, Mm -hmm. um, band. It's some of the like quotable. Cause that's what this, this movie and a lot of comedies are that way, right? It's just a lot of a lot of quotable lines. The whole thing with the pilot, he has no concept of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instruments, instruments. Um, Which was weird about is, this movie is that I couldn't tell if it was trying to be not serious because it's a comedy, but right. Like, is it a is it a straight romantic comedy or is it is it a a slapstick screwball as as you said yes, it's it's definitely it. it's definitely more understated than Austin Powers like yes. by far right um but yeah i could see that where the tone is kind of cuz it's also a little bit 
um especially in the the third act climax is is very like thriller suspense yeah. um but it takes a while to get to that point um i liked well and of course i've, I've seen it a couple times but i liked mm-hmm. his friend and uh um uh, the, the, is the chief the, the, the police chief the, the chief it's um yeah. why why can't i find it it's um alan arkin i think oh okay yeah sure he's from grumpy old man i remember a lot of things he's been in a lot of stuff but right wait no was he, he wasn't was he grumpy old man no, he wasn't grumpy old man no um why am i completely blanking on this um, of course, Charles Grodin as the uh, the commandeer vehicle guy. <laughs> oh, right, um, yeah. The dad from Beethoven, um, Phil Hartman as the as the Alcatraz guy. That that's just like that is like an SNL skit. Um, <laughs> yeah, like see, that's the thing. Like he, they would jump in. That's kind of the that's the the, the rough part that I, I was really confused about is that he would yeah. have like a romance thing going on and it's like a like you said romantic comedy and then all of a sudden right in the middle a Saturday Night Live skit launches yeah you know, like and they're on Alcatraz with this guy that's like what is this is a skit <laughs> right <And you're> like <laughs> what kind of what am I what am I supposed to be feeling am I supposed to like get in and then or or they would uh, he'd go and he'd talk about his relationships with the the girl Mike Myers would. He'd talk about it with the girls and, and how he needs to, you know, he'd be thoughtful and understanding. And then he'd go and spend a day in the butcher's office thing randomly and do another skit thing. You're like, what's what's going on here, you know? Because it's clearly, I wouldn't say serious, but more realistic. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, throwing pork chops at people or doing puppets with, with food. And I'm like, this is, yeah. this is not were, funny. There were several, several long um, montages montage of stuff yeah. and it's not and it's not like because he's setting himself up to be like this like carrier lovable person it makes him really weird and goofy but if you see it in a saturday night live context then it's just a funny skit of a goofy guy but it's just inserted weirdly and then he'll go on a date with this admittedly very pretty person who doesn't know him and he's acts really odd and i'm thinking why would this doesn't make any sense to me at all. What's, what's kind of, <laughs> you know, going on or why things are happening. And there's like zero actual chemistry between the two. Um, so yeah, I, it, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I guess I just didn't get most or all of, of the movie. Um, and I was just totally confused at what I was supposed to. And then by the time I got to the third act, I was like, okay, now I think they're really, they're really going full into the, the Mike Myers type stuff where he's on the roof and he's going back and forth being stepped on and the guys in the, in the, in the room listening to him scream about stuff and not going out to help. Um, right. I'm like, you know, okay, this is just a, a weird show that, and then it ends and then it just ends. It's got a little bit of a twist there at the end, which I, I appreciate that twist instead of it being whatever. I will say that for most of the movie, I kept thinking, can we get past this part where they just start making funny stuff? you know, doing all the jokes about her trying to kill him while they're, they're married. Cause I was waiting for that to be the main plot of the movie. Um, sure. But two thirds of the movie is that, you know, them just starting to get together. I'm like, well, they got to get married 
right for the, the show and doesn't right. she marry people and right um yeah it was so anyway it, was a, it just was a very weird show that i still didn't quite understand and then, <laughs> if anything it just kind of reaffirmed my mike myers to me is very meh at best now sure that being said when he goes over the top I think he just needs to just go to the floor and just re- and just wreck it with that kind of stuff because he's very funny. And I point to the Scottish family. His parents are hilarious. I wanted the whole movie just to be about them the whole time. <laughs> well, you like, know the dad is him, right? That's yes, right. One of exactly. His, that's what I'm saying. When he's doing that, shtick, that's they build like all of Austin Powers is based on that bit of him playing a different playing a different character, and he's doing. He's doing the character, Shrek, right? No. <laughs> the character of his dad, it's a little bit Shrek and a little bit um, Will Ferrell's Harry Carey uh, oh, okay. from, from SNL. Part of that is just, I think, the big glasses um, mm-hmm. right. is part of that. And the um, you can see in the first that first scene when he's doing all the jokes about the his little brother's head, mm-hmm. how big his head is. You can see uh, his friend Tony, like seconds away from breaking almost every time like my tires delivers <laughs> another another joke about the kid's head and you're like is that is that scripted is it improv because he's like he's cracking him up and it's part of you know it works for the character right you're like oh he he thinks it's funny but he's also kind of embarrassed uh, oh it's it's uh that's it that's the gold i mean i think that was the golden parts of this this movie was just that the dad, I, I mean, even like the mom, like when she, she kisses the, the guy goodnight and then is mm-hmm. kind of flustered and, and flirting with him. And like, all oh, that was just wonderful. And you see the, the dad at the, at the wedding with the bagpipe guy. Um, right. Yeah. Like I said, that's the, the part that Mike Myers does that he should just, you know, when he, it felt like he got off the gas pedal and was in a very bland, not funny spot. And then he's like, but I'm going to go all the way in. And that when he does, that's great. Mm. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed that stuff. And I, w- and I would watch an entire uh, movie of that. So uh, it makes to me, it actually, actually, this movie improves Austin Powers because I'm like, he took, I don't know which one came first, but Mike Austin Powers is where he needs to be with his comedy. Just go all okay. the way and make it so absurd that it's, that's what so you're this, watching. This this sort of middle ground of like half SNL, half sort of serious uh quote unquote relationship drama um didn't uh didn't work. You would you would prefer that he committed to being ridiculous. Yeah, cuz cuz I just don't think it was funny. I mean, his sure. lines were were awkward and goofy when he's trying to make jokes that weren't very funny and, and all I felt was awkwardness with them. Sure. Um, sure. But not like, you know, he, he's intentionally making me awkward. It's just like, oh, this isn't, he's not a likable thing and his jokes aren't great. He's, he's not the, put it this way of that movie. He was my least favorite character by far. Like the he, other ones him, are more interesting throughout the, the was, normal him. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. So yeah. this, this movie uh, was 93 um wayne's world was 92 so this was right after mm-hmm. wayne's world um wayne's world 2 was also in 93 and then austin powers wasn't until 97 so like there's a gap yeah. um in between 
I, I, I can see him learning the lessons of, of this one. I, I do. And remember... obviously, I mean, they made three Austin Powers movies, so it, it, it hit a little, <laughs> a little harder. And in between the second and third one, he made Shrek. Right? So, uh, and Shrek, Shrek was obviously well loved and a huge hit. Um, but the, yeah, That's I, not I, all I, him. You've also got Eddie Murphy in there. Oh, of course, of course. Right. And the whole, the whole idea of it, but the, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that one. I don't remember much about people talking about this movie when it came out. Um, I, I'm going to actually ask everybody Trotsky about it because he was a big Mike Myers fan. Um, mm. Where it sits on his, you know, because he loves Saturday Night like skits, right? Like he's all about those. Right, right. Um, so I'm assuming this is probably one of his favorite movies. Um, but, I, you know, I, I wonder how people thought about it when it came out of, you know, is this a, a, an incredible Saturday Night Live movie? Because, you know, those during that time, there was a lot of these actors that went and made movies based on their characters yeah, from Saturday Night Live. Night at the Roxbury, all the Molly Shannon movies. Yes. Um, and and so many of them were pretty mediocre. It, exactly. And and this kind of fits for me into that to that group of that they took one. Except he didn't I don't think he this wasn't a character that he, that he took, which is, might have been the problem. Was that mm. this was like normal I bet you this was as close to actual Mike Myers in real life than, than, um, you know, anything else he's done. Sure. So yeah, that, that that's, that's, uh, really all I got to say about that. It really wasn't for me. I would, we would recommendation type stuff. Um, I would recommend it to anyone who likes Saturday Night Live. Like if you like Saturday Night Live, you probably like this kind of movie. Cause it's very much like that kind of stuff. Although Saturday Night Live has some really great bits depending randomly. Yeah. I think it's, you're right that it's in an awkward space where it's it's Mike Myers, but it's kind of Mike Myers light. It's kind of kind of you know understated. On you know there is still there is still a real story, right? There's a normal. <laughs> there, there's that's real, the worst part is that there is kind of a story <clears throat> to it, right? There's a real normal arc and plot, plot or story, whichever word is what, like about this guy who's afraid of commitment who looks for things to looks for excuses to end a relationship and then meets this girl who for various reasons suspects that she might be a serial killer. And of course his friend is like, really that's your, th-? and so he pushes that aside out of, you know, trying to grow as a person trying to, you know, actually commit and then, you know, more and more, quote unquote evidence, maybe circumstantial stuff sort of tries to confirm that and he, he pushes back and forth and up to the to the culmination of the story. But then in between there are, you know, I mean it's a it's a romance story, so of course there are montages. There are at least two that I clocked playing this cover of There She Goes Again. Um <laughs> and yeah, and then interspersed, there are these... I mean, you've got uh, Michael Richards, Kramer, in there for no oh, right. apparent reason. Just to do this one character. You've got Alan Arkin, and is doing the, like... He wants him to be an angry commissioner, uh, you know, kind of kind of story. And all this stuff with his family, with, with Mike Myers' family. Um, and all random Scottish jokes that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, you can sort of see leading into the fat bastard stuff in Austin Powers. Um, they're like, oh, here's a thing he can do. He can do a ridiculous 
uh, Scottish voice, just like Shrek in a way. Um, and yeah, so it is, it's definitely a unique thing. Like in my mind, it, it sort of occupies the same space as the past. Although sure. I think this movie is much more watchable than the past. <laughs> I, yes, I agree. <laughs> um, that's a weird. Uh, although, it, although I will, in hindsight, have in comparison to this movie, have to give uh, Leguizamo credit for at least going all the way, all right? in on the on the yeah. comedy. Sure. sure, as terrible as it was, he he at least went all the way in with it. Sure. So, all right. To the, well, to the past. <laughs> It's uh, it's your pick. Oh man, we we didn't, we talk, didn't about talk about this. About man. That, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a rough one because I'm going to be gone the whole week. Um, woof. Uh, what can I take with me to watch? Um, how about? Um, and I'm looking at my list here. Um. How about if we watch What Dreams May Come? That's your vacation movie? I here's it's my Ro- on the airplane for Ro- three hours. Robin Williams explores the afterlife or whatever that movie's about. Yes. I've never seen it. Um it's it's that I'm looking at things that that I want to watch while on the airplane. Okay. And, and, and sure. I'm thinking like, well, I don't want a real action movie because I don't want to watch this little bit like basically phone in front of me. And I don't, you know, I don't want to watch a serious, uh, not a serious movie, a um, like comedy where I'm going to be laughing on the plane or or miss out on how hilarious it is. But this one's kind of a, a serious thing that I can watch and just get a story for. And I've okay, kind of it's sure. on my list. For, it's been on my list for a while because I only saw it once when it first came out on VHS tape or DVD or whatever it was. Um, and my re- memories of it is that it was very touching and deep, at least at the time, but I don't remember why, per se. Okay. Um, so, and I'm also interested if you come out feeling, have feelings or not. Like, you know, is it a thing that's just uh, where I was in life in the 20s or my 20s or something? Um, sure. But, you know, so what dreams might come with Robin Williams? It says Robin Williams, but I know. There's no laughter in this one, I don't think. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, and you're right. It's vacation. I, I thought about picking like a an actual um, one way I could watch with, with uh, Trotsky, but I don't think probably we'll be watching too many movies. We'll mm, be sure, out, sure. Um, partying around to watch that. All right. Right. That's on. it for this week, man. We, we got, lost, uh, got, got lost in the weeds with a lot of those things. Yeah, I'm talking about a lot of travel stuff that happens. <laughs> All right, where are my notes here? You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 301. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. I assume our buddy Fox has seen the Flash movie already, so he'll probably have a spoiler-free review up soon. Um, Check that out. If you want to email us and tell us your favorite SNL spinoff movie from the 90s, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use the contact forms there to reach out to us. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a review, we always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. 